Welcome back to another episode of To Be Honest. Um, this is season two, episode two, and today is, I always say it's a very special day when I have a guest on, but today actually is a very special day. Um, today I have Pastor Jeremy Donovan with me, who um, has been somebody who has really just been, for me, a hero in the faith, because I remember the first time, which this was like 10 years ago at CF and I. But you were teaching a class. What class did you teach at CFNI? Youth ministry major, okay. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember being in class and um, you came in and we had a ton of great speakers. Like everyone was awesome. They were, you know, they came in and they shared their experiences and you came in. I remember like having my pen ready and just like ready to go. <laughs> and you said something that stuck with me, which I think is what was so magnetic for me that I was like, I've got to know this guy's story and just like the way that you've done ministry. But um, you said, you said, sometimes I like don't even want to come in here because I'm just feeling insecure. Oh, wow. And I like, (laughs) (laughs) I know you weren't expecting me to say that, but I like dropped my pen and just looked up and I was like, it was like that set me free. That moment set me free because I, it's that level of transparency and just authenticity that I was like, I needed so bad. Yeah. You know, like I needed to know, like, it's okay sometimes when you're in leadership to feel certain ways or, you know, it, it blew my mind because I'm like, we have this awesome pastor with us today who's, you know, works at a great church, has done so many great things and just said this to us. It was like, is this even allowed? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so funny? it was just yeah. like, I was like, wow, that's great. And then you actually gave me... Um, one of my first opportunities to speak, I think it was... Yeah, the youth group. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't even... I was blown away by your story. I was like, you have to tell this. Well, and we didn't even know each other very well. And I remember thinking, like, just giving me that opportunity. And I told you, I said, you know, thank you so much for this opportunity. And you were like, well, you said, I feel like you're going to go off and do great things. And I just am happy to be a small part of your story. Yeah. And that that phrase that you said to me, I've used with young people so many times. Because that moment marked me. And I thought... This guy doesn't even know me, you know, like yeah. I could go off and just fall off the deep end, but you believed in me. And I think there's so much to be said about just a leader who believes in a young person and where that can take them and just um, how incredible that was and impactful that was for me. So well, I don't even know if you knew that. I didn't, but that's a good reminder for me, yeah. like to just, you know, be myself, I guess, but also yes. believe in people. So I, yes. you don't realize how much you impact people. Right. Yeah. Even in just the little things that you say. Just those, it's in those small moments yeah. that like the biggest impact happens. I mean, yeah. it can happen That's at an altar. I was like, waiting for you to, I'm like, what did I say that was profound? You said, <laughs> I, you said I feel insecure. <laughs> I was like, I can relate to that. That's hilarious. I but, love it. Um, yeah, that was, that was so great for me. And that just, that marked me and um, has, and I've just loved seeing how you do ministry. And you've helped me so much, even just like being able to email you like, mm-hmm. hey, this is kind of something I'm facing in ministry right now. How would you handle this? And You've always just responded. And I think your humility, I think, is one of the things that is just so, um, that sticks out about you. Wow. And even just asking Thank you to you. be on this episode, yeah. I, I was in the car with Brent and I was like, should I? I shouldn't, right? Like, he's busy and you no, know, he's got always. a lot going on. Yeah, that's and, crazy. And yeah. um, I said, well, I'll just, I'll send it, you know, and then if I hear back, great. And if not, I would not have thought anything yeah. of it. And you responded immediately and you were like, mm-hmm. let's do it. And cool. I was just like, 
That's awesome. Yeah. You're well, perfect. I've always believed in you. I mean, I think, I think you guys are doing amazing things. I'm oh, proud of you. you. Proud to know you. Thanks. You know? Yeah. So I think the probably one of the burning questions that everyone is um, wondering is, I mean, your story is amazing. The first time I heard your story, um, I had so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the burning question that probably everyone is wondering is how in the world you go from was it a mental institution, yeah, yeah. like lockdown, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. To pastor. Because I thought about this and it would make more sense to me to go from pastor to mental, to mental institution. Yeah. Well, I might be on that journey. So you might full <laughs> yeah. circle, right? Full circle. Full circle. Yeah. 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 So how does that, how did that happen? Like what, what led you to, to that point of now you're in a mental institution? I mean, the, the big thing was, I actually grew up in church and my dad was a pastor. So like I knew the Bible. I just didn't know the Bible as a love story. I knew it as mm-hmm. like, God's a dictator and he's mad at you. Right. And that's not my dad's fault or anybody's yeah. fault. I always have to make that clear. Um, it's just how I perceived it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like that was being taught to me. I just perceived God as this guy that's like, he's mad at you. You better get to the altar. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so, and then about... 14 is when I really, really started to experience drugs and that kind of stuff. And um, long story short, by the time I was 19, I was a teen father um, because everything you, you know, the drug lifestyle brings everything with sure. it, you know. And um, I, I, sp- I had about two years with my oldest son. His name's Isaiah. Um, and then the government was like, I was getting in too much trouble. And they were like, you're not fit to be a father. And, wow. and so I had to sign my rights away as a father. Um, and because of that, um, it, it just, my life got worse and worse. It's funny, like how, how, um, pain from a childhood, because I had a lot of pain as a child, not for, again, not my parents were great, but, um, I actually had a family member that abused me for a long time. Mm. And so it was, it was, um, it was just a painful time in my life yeah. as a kid. Um, and that pain, um, trying to self-medicate from that pain yeah. brought my own pain for my own choices, which then sent me on this spiral downwards, you yeah. know? Um, and so, um, you know, I just continued to do, you know, live that lifestyle. And by about 21, it was really bad, like massive daily addiction. It was just not a good scene. Mm-hmm. And um, at 21, I, I was walking through the mall and I passed out just like, Oh my and, the, and it was just crazy. It was actually right in front of Victoria's Secret. It was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> what a spot. Yeah. People were like, what did he see? Never forget that. Yeah. What did he see? <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, we, uh, I woke up. I had vomit all over me. Um, the the uh, security guards were there from the mall. Uh, who even goes to the malls anymore, right? But right. back then, it was like a big thing. Yeah. Um, and they were like, we called the police. And they're on their way. Ambulance is on the way. And, and I, was, I had drugs on me. So I was like, no. And I got up and ran out of the mall. And I got to my car and I passed out again um, in the car. And I don't know how long I was out, but when I woke up, it was like evening. And mm. when I passed out, it was definitely afternoon. So um, it was night actually when I woke up. So and I had vomit on me again. And I was just like, I got to I gotta go to the hospital, I think, yeah. you know. So I went. They did CAT scans and all kinds of tests. And I'll never forget the doctor came in and he was scared out of his mind. And I've never seen a doctor scared, but wow. he was like, I don't know why I'm talking to you right now. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you had a cerebral brain aneurysm. Um, and, and basically what that means is in the middle of your brain by your spinal cord, it, it has exploded. 
Um, I had basically done so many drugs that my brain exploded. Wow. I for, I um, totally forgot about this part of your story. Yeah, That's it was insane. pretty crazy. So, um, so going through that, uh, they, basically they didn't know I was alive, but they had to rush me into brain surgery. Um, they thought that um, there was just really a very minimal chance that I was going to live through the brain surgery. And if I did, I was supposed to be paralyzed because the blood was actually leaking into my spinal cord, which is not a good thing, apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Doesn't sound no. awesome. So, um, but before I went, I had to sign a paper. They make you sign this agreement that you're okay, basically giving them the opportunity to kill you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like there's a huge chance this surgery could go wrong, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you you need to like, sign I'm this. cool with it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> And I was like, I don't like this. This is a pretty horrible document. And the doctor was like, what's worse is the fact that if you don't do the surgery, you're going to die very soon. Yeah. You know? And so I remember praying and just saying, God, if, if you let me live, I'll live for you for the rest of my life. Um, and so I went into surgery, obviously lived, went through a huge recovery, about six months of just learning how to walk, talk, mm -hmm. all of those things. Um, and then probably about a week out of the hospital, I was back on drugs. Yeah. And and it was just this crazy feeling because um, I thought, man, I really broke my promise to God this time. Where were you living at the time? Like, Philadelphia. Were you on, okay. Yeah, or just outside, but it was the Philadelphia area. Okay. And were you living on your own or were you living with friends or? I was on my own. Okay. Yeah, I had a little apartment. I think back then, gosh, I wish I had it today. It was 300 a month, I think. But, nice. Um, yeah. Wow. What a... Back in the day. Yeah. But it was just a little tiny, um, you know, one bedroom apartment just by myself. And, and that's where you're from, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. We grew up, I grew up there. So, Did, um, is there, this is like totally off subject, yeah. but the only place that I, because Philly cheesesteak, yeah. like subs, that has been one of my biggest pregnancy cravings. Really? And I don't even know if I've ever like legitimately had one. <laughs> uh -huh. And so the only place that we have in Ohio is Penn Station. Oh, like, yeah. I don't even, you, to you, that's probably yeah. like the worst. Anything, honestly, outside of Philly that I found, maybe two places I could say have been close, but there's just nothing like being in the city yeah. and having a, having a steak. It's, it's I might have crazy. to go there. Yeah, just, it's really good. Just during this pregnancy yeah. to have that. That's hilarious I that you're craving that. So, okay, <laughs> back to yeah. your story. Anytime we talk about food now, I'm like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like in I'm, it with I'm, pregnancy. I'm, I think I've been pregnant for 30 years because <laughs> I'm always craving something. The so. cravings yes. and the body aches and yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all. Okay, so you live in Philadelphia. You're from Philadelphia. Uh -huh. You're 21 at this time. Yes. Right? And you just got out of the hospital, made that promise to God, mm -hmm. um, relapsed again or, you know, went yeah. back to drugs again and then... And then I legit thought because I broke my promise, God was going to kill me. Yeah. Because I was like, if I live for you, I mean, if you let me live, I'll live for you for the rest of my life. And I didn't do that. Uh -huh. So then I thought, well, God's going to kill me. So I actually got in this weird state of like walking around the city like, okay, he's going to kill me at any moment. Like I would step out in front of buses and just wait right. for him to kill me um, because I thought the promise was broken and and he was done with me. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, and apparently people think you're crazy when you think that way, you know? And so, yeah. um, I became very suicidal. I, because I started to, um, and, and I don't know if it's a fight or flight thing, but I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? Like if he wants to kill me, I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. You know, I don't want him to have that control over me. Wow. And so I started trying to take my life and they started putting me in these different, you know, different mental institutions around the city. 
Um, and sometimes it was like, you know, two days, three days, mm -hmm. and then they let you out. And, they, you know, so it wasn't always like this yeah. long stint. I'm imagining you know. a, a mental institution in Philly. Like that cannot be a good um, Yeah, setting. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's different ones. I learned. I know. That there's, so there's different ones. Like, yeah. so if you're lucky enough for the doctor to recommend like a good private Catholic, like Catholic church is big out there mm -hmm. and they have some mental institutions that actually like, I mean, there's still crazy people there, but uh, it's kind of nice, you know, but if the police are it's involved, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if the police are involved, I mean, nice comparatively, I yeah, guess you'd say. Sure. If the police are involved. They put you in in a city, you know, ward. Basically, it's part yeah. of the Philadelphia prison system, and and that's um, horrible. Yeah, that's Gosh. pretty horrible. So. That's terrible. What was it like when you were in those facilities? Like, because I've, I have, I've visited people mm -hmm. in these. Um, uh, probably more of a minor scale, but it's like you go yeah, the in. Private ones, yeah. Yeah, and the yeah. there's like no screws in anything, and the door handle it's like childproof. Uh -huh. You know, yeah. like the chairs and even the door. It looks like something out of a fun house. Yeah, and it's just it's a devastating situation. Let alone, but then you're the in these. Yeah, it. and they yeah. do. They have helped people. You know, and they absolutely have. It's just yeah the setting of just it being devastating, and then you have. You yeah, know, I think like there's good, some good places. I don't think the government city, the city ones, I think they're horrible. I was, I spent a lot of time and it was called Norristown Building 50, which is um, a very scary place, honestly. Um, murderers and everything in there. Wow. And, um, and so... And you're like, hey, I just think God's yeah, going to kill me. Yeah, I'm like, bro. <laughs> and I, you know, um, yeah. so, but I was telling the lady there, because they like line you up in the morning to get your pills. And mm. I don't know what they're giving me, but they right. make you take it. And I'm like, I think I'm crazier from being in here yeah. than I was out there. Like it just, it starts to get to you. But the last time I was in there, they put me in solitary, which was like oh, um, 23 hours a day in my cell and then one hour out. And that was pretty horrible. Um, but that's where I met Jesus. So, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So is that just where you feel like, like, was there a moment while you're in this, like, solitary confinement that you no the moment was, was actually before it was kind of weird so um i was at my apartment and i was like you know what i'm done with this mm -hmm. not fighting you anymore god yeah, yeah. I, I remember saying to him I'm, I'm a way better drug addict than i am a christian wow and i just can't do this yeah um because i knew christianity well i mean mm -hmm. you know um and so i i used to sell pills for my addiction and um i decided to just take a bunch of those pills and end it. Mm -hmm. And and I remember taking quite a few. I don't know how many, but quite a few. And um, I sat there and waited for, um, waited to die. And I heard God speak to me. And he said, I, 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 was, I mean, I don't say this. You know, I, you hear a lot of people say, well, God said, or God spoke to me. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that, you know, I don't say that. I'm careful with that. Sure. But I know God spoke to me. Yeah. You know, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, um, I broke my promise and I'm, I'm tired of waiting for you to finish this, yeah. you know? And I heard the Lord say, it's not about the promises that you make to me. It's about the promise I made to you. Wow. And I sent my son. I am full on pregnancy hormones, like yeah. <laughs> getting so emotional. <laughs> I felt it come as soon as you said the Lord said to me, I was yeah. like, this is going to crush me. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, 
And I just, in that moment, began to realize, like, wow, it, it's not about me. Yeah. It's about Jesus. Yeah. You know? And so, um, so I called the, my friend, uh, and he called the police. And I don't know why. I should have just called 911 myself. But I called my friend, and yeah. he called them. And, and they came. And, and when the police got there, they sent me to a hospital. But I was under police care as well. So... Um, they arrested me and put me back into Norristown Building 50. Um, and that time it was serious enough because they had also found, you know, a lot of paraphernalia in my house and stuff like that, mm. that there should have been a lot of charges put against me, that kind of stuff. Um, so they put me in solitary confinement. And But I had remembered that moment that God spoke yeah. to me. And I'm like, wow, he is real mm-hmm. and he loves me, you know. And so then there was this pastor friend, his name was Dave Barnett, and he... Um, he he found out I was in there and started to visit me like once a week. And, um, I, you know, I think being alone for so so long and then, um, you know, being able to get out and just, it was always just this intense moment of human interaction, you know? Yeah. And he would just be like, Jesus loves you, man. Wow. Like, he's got such a plan for you, you know, and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And that's kind of why I still do that with kids today i'm like man he's got a plan i don't care what you look like now right it's where jesus can take you right you know because he's done it for me and so long story short i you know i just really in that cell jesus met me there Mm -hmm. for 23 hours a day and i began to just fall in love with him and in love with the fact of it didn't matter what i did he he knew before he died on the cross he knew before he came to this earth everything I was going to do. Yeah. And he still chose to come and, and die for me. And yeah. I mean, that's incredible. It didn't matter. He's like, I knew you were going to break your promise before I ever did it. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew that you so, were going to suck at this yeah. and not be able to do it. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I still have to remember that because, you right. know, um, I try to be transparent and, and I don't, I don't like when people think that pastors have like made it spiritually. Like, sure. I still need God's grace. Yeah. Every day, you know, so. So you, you come out of, um, what was it called? Norristown Building 50 was the name Building of the. 50, Norristown yeah. Building 50. And so then you, that's when you really start your faith journey. Yeah. And how soon did you, like, did you start doing ministry from that point? Because I feel like so many times you hear these incredible stories and yeah. they're awesome stories of redemption, but I think sometimes the chunk, the difficult chunk can be missed. Yeah. Of, okay, God saved me, rescued me, went from here to here. Mm-hmm. But then you miss the lows in between, like, and then there were cravings. And then yeah. there were, you know what I mean? There were moments where I questioned, is am I supposed to do this? Or I want to go do drugs right now. And so yeah. what was that in between? Yesterday. No, I'm kidding, yeah. <laughs> what time yeah. is it? Yeah. Um, what was that in between phase? like? Um, so, so they finally, I, I stood in front of the judge in front. It was a little television. And, and they decided they were going to let me... Um, through the recommendation of the doctors that were in there, they're going to let me go try to um, find recovery. And so they actually sent me to a rehab in Florida, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I was like, what, Florida? And so they flew me to Florida, West Palm Beach. Um, and it was just amazing. I was Every like, rehab is... center should be there. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess there's actually different laws in Florida. So there are, most of them are in Florida or California because of laws. But anyway, um, so I was there and in recovery and... Um, you know, just doing my best to do okay. Um, 
rehab was good for me. I learned some tools also, you know, because as much as Jesus saved me, I still had an addiction. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's a big mistake, especially new Christians make is like, oh, I'm saved. I'm good. No, right. you, you still got your junk, bro. Yeah. Like, you know, God can heal anybody. But, you know, I, I had a process. And so I was in there for 90 days. And then um, I called a Bible college and was like, hey, I, I want to be a pastor. And, um, and they're like, where are you right now? Right. And, and I was like, like rehab. rehab. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of funny. And it was actually the church uh, Reggie was at. And okay, so, cool. Um, and Reggie also was like somebody in my life. He knew me since I was 13. So he's mm-hmm. seen all of this and was just like, he was my, the guy that said to me too a lot, like, man, I believe in you. I believe in you. You yeah. know, it's funny because the last, when I was talking to him, when he was yeah. in Ohio last, and I didn't know that you guys were connected. Like oh, yeah. That. And I was like, I feel like um, you've been to Jer- like to Pastor Jeremy, what Pastor Jeremy has been to yeah. me. So that's really cool. Yeah, well, he, he really has been. Yeah, I mean, he, a lot of Christians didn't believe in me. Yeah, that's you know? insane. And, and still don't. But, you know, Reggie did. Wow. And it was, it was awesome. So anyway, um, so I called the Bible College, and, and they were like, you know what? We're going to give you a scholarship. We're going to let you come over. And, and start to do this. I realized that that when I showed up, because I had been, you know, this crazy person. So when I showed up there, I was almost 23, um, you know, pierced, tattooed, and, and just out of rehab. And then <laughs> um, the school was a bunch of 18, 19-year-old kids that had never done anything wrong in I'm, their life, I think. I'm you so know? there right now. Yeah. Like, I can literally see you walking around <laughs> yeah. and these kids yeah. just like... What? It's like You're it's like me showing like up at CFNI, like, hey, I'm ready for school, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I, you know, there was a couple kids that had stories, but um, I definitely stood out like a sore thumb, you know? And and uh, it was a tough... It, Bible college might have been harder than the men, mental institution. Um, you know, it was a tough season. Um, it was tough for them to know how to relate to me. I didn't... Um, I mean, I knew church, but I hated religious people. Yeah. Um, I don't hate them anymore, but they do still frustrate me. Like Sure. Um, and so there was this, like, huge battle with, like, just the religious side of the institutional church that I've learned to not um, fight so much, but just try to find influence to help change. Does that make sense? Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, long story short, I got kicked out of Bible college um, about eight months in. So... That's so um, unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, and and you know the actually the guys that kicked me out, they um, you know a few actually about five years ago they they sent me my deg- diploma degree. Um, oh, good! You've only been in ministry for like right. thirty years, and they're like, we should have never kicked you out, you know. Oh and, wow, and that's so, awesome! Yeah, it was kind of a cool cool that redemption they, yeah. thing. Yeah, so um, and you know all's forgiven, but. And it wasn't all their fault, honestly. I can't, you know, you can never look at something and go, man, I mean, you can't, I, I, I don't ever want to be the victim. You sure. know what I mean? Like, it wasn't all their fault. I, I definitely had issues. Yeah. But I just came off drugs, <laughs> yeah. you know. I, I was actually, so. uh, my friend and I were talking about this last night, um, just different experiences that we've had within church. And, you know, yeah. we've, we've been to Bible college and just how to not, to recognize, like, I feel like most of the time people really are doing the best that they can with what they're given yeah. in the position that they're in. Yeah. And I think even just being in leadership, you realize that more. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier to let go of 
offense when you look back and you 100%. think like, oh man, like they didn't handle that well, but how many situations have I not handled well? Yes. Yes. And so you're, you can have a little bit more grace for people. Yeah. And, and the Bible's clear. <laughs> you, you get the re- grace that you give. Yes. And I need a lot of grace. Yeah. So I'm going to give it. And I think people forget that, you know, yeah. and, um, of course, leadership. I actually saw this the other day. I was going to make a video on it, but saw a guy that used to be a worship pastor that is now an atheist. And he said, people from my old church are mad. They think I'm trying to get people to leave the church. He said, I don't have to get people to leave the church. Pastors will do that. Jeez. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, and he's right in, yeah. in, a, in a way. And, but a, a huge part of it I think has to do with pastors, but the other part is we're just not perfect yeah. and we're going to hurt people, you know, right. and we have to look at the church as that, you know, yeah. but it's also the reason why we shouldn't put ourselves on pedestals yes. and say, honor me, you know? Yeah. So anyway, that's a whole other podcast. That could podcast. be a whole other episode. Yeah. I was just going to say, sorry for no, the rabbit that could trail. be a whole other episode. But anyway, so they, um, they kicked me out and, and I was just like, you know what? I'm not, I, I can't, I can't go back. I can't go back. Uh, my friend, actually, his name is Gary. Um, he was like, if you kick him out, I'm quitting um, because this isn't right. Go, he was Gary. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they were like, fine, quit. And so he quit. And he was like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. And um, he's like, well, come back to Oklahoma with me. And I was like, I didn't even know people lived in Oklahoma, but okay. You know, yeah. so um, I came all the way to the Midwest and... And uh, just started living. Actually, his dad owned a ranch, and and I started working on the ranch, which was kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I used to see pets at like like cow pets at like petting zoos, but I didn't uh-huh. like know people actually worked with them. No. You know, that's no, how I did, like being in Ohio. Yeah. That's me. Like I came yeah. to Texas, and we would drive by cows, and I'd be like. Yeah. get my phone out taking pictures and they're like what the heck are you i'm like you just you yeah. don't see cows like exactly this, you know? exactly so it's just it was it was a weird season but i just worked the ranch and met my wife annie at that time and um but and she's I, awesome yeah she's awesome and i remember applying i i did think it was weird i thought like well i have a testimony and i'm good like people are going to want to hire me and book me to preach and nobody did you know nobody was interested <laughs> um and so I just finally found a church. It was my dad's church. He had a church of about 70 in Anchorage, Alaska, actually. At the time, he had moved to Anchorage. And I called him, and I just said, Dad, nobody wants to hire me. Can I come be your youth pastor? Mm-hmm. And he was like, sure. And so that's kind of how I got into ministry. Gosh, and, I'm so emotional. Wow. And uh, <laughs> I worked at Home Depot. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a big mistake that if you're trying to get into ministry, like you just get out of college or whatever, and you're like, hire me. And it's 100%. like... Sometimes yeah. God's like, no, go somewhere. Nobody else will go. Yes. Go do something. And so I worked at Home Depot from 9 o'clock at night till 5 in the morning and slept till about 11 and got up and became a youth pastor during the day. And wow. that's how I started my ministry. That's so, incredible. Yeah. What an incredible story. So um, one last question I want to ask you before we move on is for um, like young people, so we'll say like 13 to 25 Mm-hmm. right now who feel like maybe they're kind of in that up and down yeah, of yeah. I keep trying to get right but then I relapse or I keep trying to get right and then I harm myself again um what would you say to a young person like that who might be listening to this episode yeah. and might feel so encouraged by your story and I know that you did share kind of a lot of what yeah. really set you free but how would you just encourage 
somebody who might be listening, who might be in the same, a similar situation mm-hmm. that you've been in? I think for anybody, like, if, especially if you're trying to break free of like a bondage in your life. Um, I think when people, a lot of times when we fall, we, we lay there too long. Um, yeah. Because there's going to be moments of, so honestly, one of the hardest things for me to quit was cigarettes. And that's crazy, but like... It's not crazy. <laughs> I just, I mean, I smoked through Bible college, you know, and yeah. I mean, it was just like, I just could not stop. And mm-hmm. when I wanted to stop, I would go buy more. And I would a lot of times sit in my misery, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did it again. Yeah. Um, and I think as you're trying to get free, you're going to mess up. And you just have to realize that. Now, there's some people that don't, but most people go through a process. Yeah. And so when you mess up, get back up mm-hmm. quickly. Learn from your mistakes and get back up. And the other mistake I thought was, oh my gosh, I messed up, I have to start over. And I don't believe that. I think when you mess up, you get up where you're at. You've already learned all of that stuff. So it's not a, it's, and, and that's where people get frustrated. Oh man, here we go again, starting all over. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Like you just messed up, you've come a long way. And that's a mistake of the church too. Um, you know, when somebody messes up, don't make them start over. Yeah. You know, well, you need to sit down for 12 years. No, like, you know, Paul fell off the donkey and started ministry right away. Like, get people back up and get them into it, you know. Um, And so that and then I would say also find somebody you can trust to to talk to when you do mess up. Mm -hmm. Um, Transparency is key. And you just have to be able to say, hey, man, I really not not the whole world. You know, that's a mistake young people make is is they don't have anybody they trust. So they tweet about it, you know. Find your circle, and it doesn't have to leave that circle. That's so key. You know? Yeah. Um, I think that's a mis- misconception that Christians feel they have to tell the whole world, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just need a friend. Yeah, that's so lost in, yeah, the, right? in today's generation. So yeah. that's incredible. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story yeah. so much, yeah. and that's what I really wanted people to hear. Mm-hmm. And just for the last few minutes that we have together, um, these are just some selfish questions. Yeah, absolutely. But I do know that they'll be helpful to other people who are listening who are in ministry and, and in leadership. But my husband and I were talking and we okay. were just like, these are, some, these are some things that would be so helpful yeah. for us. <laughs> and hopefully they help other people. Hopefully. So the first question is, um, how do you create like longevity as a pastor? Because I have only been in full time, like on staff at a church ministry for seven years. Mm-hmm. And you say only, but that's long term. It's well, yeah. it's like time goes by. I'm yeah. back here and I feel like I was here yesterday, yeah. but it was 10 years ago. Um, Most people make it nine months at a church and five years in ministry. So no, I, I get that. that. That was probably could have been yeah. us, but we just had so many moments where in, you know, it's, we were in youth ministry and not to minimize yes. any other ministry, but it's just so difficult. Yeah. And um, I don't ever want to go back. Right. Yeah. Like we would have service on Sunday nights and we would come home and just sit on the couch or sit on our couch and look at each other and just be like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Or you wake up Monday morning. Mm -hmm. Honestly, Monday mornings is when I dealt with like serious depression for a while. You're like writing your resignation letter. Yeah. I'm like, I can no longer find someone else who is better. Like it's just, so, you know, we went through a lot of those dips and we had people who helped us so much. And, Mm -hmm. um, but I know that we also have a long journey ahead of us in ministry and we're going to have more moments like that. And so, Mm. And how, how many years have you been in ministry? So we'll say like when you started at your dad's yeah, church. Yeah, yeah, My dad's church, it's been, oh gosh, almost 20 years. 20 years. So yeah. um, how? how? How has it been almost 20 years? Um, I, I have a rule um, that I don't quit when I'm discouraged. Um, 
and I've made that rule for everything, marriage as well. Right. Um, so don't quit when you're discouraged. Or well, ministry and marriage, like those two things would last for one second. Right. If you quit when you're right. discouraged. And so, and, I, and I've had to do that often where I'm like, God, I want to quit and I'm going to quit. I'm done with this. And, and then I went, okay, no, you're discouraged. That's your rule. Yeah. If you're not discouraged and you want to quit and, and move on, then that's different, you know? Wow. But you usually don't want to quit when you're not discouraged. You're usually That's okay. That's so true. You know? Um, and the other one is, uh, I would say, to really make it ministry, you have to find your burden. Yes. Um, you can't live off of um, anything else mm-hmm. in the ministry. Because people mis- misconceive it as something that's like this amazing, like people just praise you, and it's not at all. No. Like, people talk behind your back. They, they Yeah. People, you know... It's horrible sometimes. Try to get you fired. Try to get you fired. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much, and if you don't have a burden, if you don't have something where like, man, I would give my life to that. Yeah. Um, to to see that change, um, you're not going to be willing to die for it. Yes, that's that's so key, and I feel like always coming back to that. Like if Mm -hmm. you get distracted for a minute, that's something that Brent and I talk about all the time. We're like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Souls. Yeah. That's it. Like mm-hmm. nothing more, nothing less. We're in this for souls yeah. and having to constantly, because I feel like the enemy, especially in ministry, will try to create mm-hmm. so many distractions that are oh, just yeah. like, so. The biggest distraction is the institution for pastors, I believe. I believe pastors get burnt out because they're trying to build an institution instead of help individuals. I have nothing to say because I'm learning. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm going to go back and edit this. The amount of times that I've said, wow, like, <laughs> You got to take it. Owen Wilsoning it right now. Wow, everything. Oh, that's funny. Um, that's awesome. Let me uh, look at, I think I had two more questions, but that's so helpful. That's so helpful for me, and I know that's going to be helpful for others. Um, okay, the other one, and this might go kind of go along with okay. what you were saying, um, but if you could go back and tell your 30-year-old self something in ministry, what would it be? Um. Quit trying to be successful and start building significance. I think that we've lied to a generation that uh, having your face on a poster <laughs> or having a lot of followers yeah. means you're, you're changing the world. Um, and, and the Bible is, is pretty clear that we're supposed to fight for the widows and orphans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that I've learned in the last few years that, I don't know if I've learned it, but I think, I'm pretty sure that when we get to heaven, the most influential people in the kingdom, we won't know their name because they've been in the depths, in the, in the so hard powerful. places, you know? And so, um, so I would say quit trying to be famous, quit trying to be, <laughs> quote, influential, yeah. um, and love people and and just... I think that's it. I mean, and also be who you are. Yeah. Right. It's, it's so easy to be a fake yeah. paid Christian. Trying to like yeah. imitate. Yeah. Yeah. For you sure. know, it's, it's wild to me. I preach at a lot of conferences. And so, and I actually, I, I get to go through different denominations and stuff. So it's wild to me. But I, I see like when I go places, like a lot of people in whatever culture they're in are dressed the same. Mm-hmm. They're, you know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that in a way. Like, but it, are you, are, you, are you dressing away because you feel like that's how you're going to fit in? Or is that really you? You know, just be who you are yeah. and, and let Jesus, you know, 
do whatever he wants with you, but fame is so irrelevant. Yeah. It has nothing to do with influence. That's going to set some people free on this episode. Um, and, and the last question that I had is, um, how do you manage being a great parent, pastor, mm-hmm. and spouse? Because there, there were times, especially early on when Brent and I first came on staff, because we came on staff at a church. Um, let's see, we got married in April of 2015, and we both came on staff in July. Um, like shared an office, my desk was here, his desk was there, and um, we would we would have these we'd have these moments where it was like we would have such a powerful youth service, um, and nobody knew that we like fought the whole way there. Yeah, <laughs> and like said things that you should never say to your spouse. Yeah, and um, you know, then we would get to service, like kids' lives would be changed. <laughs> then we wouldn't talk for the whole week. Yeah, and then we would do it all over. And mm-hmm. so, thankfully, God has like brought us such a long way. We did like post-marital counseling and, yeah. and all the things. And now our marriage is, is great, but still it's such, it's so difficult to try to manage. And now going into the season of being a mom and, you know, Brent being yeah. a dad and just, it's like, how do you do all of those things well to where one of them is not Yeah, I'm proud of you for doing counseling. I think Christians sometimes miss the fact that that's a really good thing to do. You should be um, very proud. I have done a lot. Yeah, (laughs) and I have, I have too. I mean, that's it's not a bad thing. It's it's actually a phenomenal thing to go through, uh, to help you. So counseling is great. Um, I've learned two things. I think I learned them mainly from Jeannie Mayo. Um, So legend. um, Yes, and I, you know, so if I'm going to use her quotes, I got to, you know, say that. But she said to me, and her kids are all great. So, you know, you want to find people right. where you're like, wow, her, their kids made it. Yeah. You know, because a lot of pastors They kids love don't. the church. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, um, but she said, wherever you are, be fully there, which I've started to learn. And basically, like, when you're at church, just be fully at church. But when you're at home, be fully at home. You know, and that's mm-hmm. a mistake we make as pastors, especially when we're both in ministry, right? Like, husband and wife, we're both on our phones, like, blah, blah, blah. And we're not, we're not paying attention to each other. Yeah. So, put the phones down. You know, on my day off, I don't answer my phone. Like, you know, it's just leave me a message. Thanks. Yeah. You know, so wherever you are, be fully there. And with your kids, especially do that. Um, and then choose what you want to fail at is the other thing she said to me, which was really huge. So I've, I've made actually a list of what I want to fail at. I don't want to fail as a husband. Yeah. I don't want to fail as a, well, I don't want to fail as a Christian. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fail as a husband. I don't want to fail as a father. And then I don't want to fail as a pastor. In that order. I will fail as a pastor before I fail as a father. Like my kids come first before anybody else. And they need to know that. They need to know that. Um, And then, because I've had moments. I I had a moment with my daughter that really changed my life. You know, I do inner city ministry now and... And um, I was really focused, like probably overly focused on trying to help this neighborhood. And uh, one day my daughter got in, into the car and she said, Dad, can we go to McDonald's? I was like, babe, I'm so tired. And I hate McDonald's. Like, no. <laughs> and uh, she got real quiet. And I was like, what's wrong? And she goes, if, if I lived in that neighborhood, you'd take me to McDonald's. And I was like, wow, she thinks I put these kids before her. Before her. And I had to make a pretty shift there because I, those kids I love, you mm-hmm. know, I call them my kids, but my daughter can't think that they're above her. Yeah. You know, you went back to the mental institution. When yeah, said that. no, <laughs> it's like, awful. It's awful. Oh. And so, um, you know, so, so I can't, I can't fail as a dad. And then mm-hmm. finally, you know, evangelism, I travel and speak 
but it, I'm going to fail as an evangelist before I fail as a pastor. Does that make sense? And, yeah. and you have to make that decision because I see young guys that maybe they get doors open to travel and speak and their church is falling apart at home and they're like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, you got to choose what, where you're going to be. Yeah. Do you want to be a pastor or do you want to be, be an evangelist? Yeah. You know, so because I will tell people, hey, sorry, I can't come. I had something this week where I was like, man, I can't make it. I got too much at home. Right. You know, um, so so I can't do it. So choose what you want to fail at. And then um, I think I think 2020 just really changed me a lot more to just going. I'm going to spend time with my kids yeah. and my family before yeah. they grow up. That's a conversation that another conversation that Brent and I have had. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love the idea of, you know, and you have to be open to whatever God wants to do, but, um, I don't love the idea of him like traveling and, and speaking yeah. and doing all these things. Cause I, I asked him and I could be totally wrong in this, but I asked him like, is there anybody who really needs you more than me and yeah. your son right now? You know, like, it, and maybe mm-hmm. that answer might change from time to time, but I'm like, who, who needs you more than your son? And, yeah. and me to be, you know, I think there's a, a good and... balance to that. I think there are opportunities to, to go. And, and once, once, you know, your son grows some, you'll be able to realize, like, I can realize like, wow, my kids need me right now. Yeah. You know, like I knew my middle son about a month ago. I was like, he really needs just some dad time. And so we went on a trip and just took him on a trip by himself mm-hmm. um, without any other siblings, you know. And so you'll start to learn that. So there is a balance to it. It's not like completely going, like, forget all of you and forget ministry. Yeah. But I think the balance in ministry has been weighed the wrong way for pastors. And I think as a leader, it's it's good to start learning, like, I don't have to be at every event. Right. I don't have to be at everything that happens at the church. Every time the doors are open, I'm there. It's not healthy. Sure. Um. You know, and so that's what I'm learning. Yeah. But, and yeah, say no to things. <laughs> like, sorry, I can't, I can't do that, you know? Yes. Because um, that was always my problem was like, yeah, sure. Oh, man, why did I say yes to this? Right. You know, so. Then your wife's like not talking to you. <laughs> yeah, and she's mad at me. Like, really? You got to go to this dinner? Seriously? And uh, it's just like, yeah. yeah, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. So. That's so helpful. That's so, mm-hmm. and I, I know this, this episode is going to be helpful to such a variety of people. And so. Thank you so much for being on. Awesome. Thank you. It was an honor to be with you. I know you're yeah. not sitting around like twiddling your thumbs like, what can I do today? Yeah. So you're very busy and you're doing a lot. And so I appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening today. And I hope today was helpful for you. And stay tuned for episode three. Thanks for listening today. And if you'd like to be notified when a new episode is released, you can subscribe to this podcast and follow me on Instagram at Celeste underscore Ely.